and welcome to For the Love of Beer podcast. I am Phil Savory, joined as always by my good friend Mark Hardy Johnson. Hello, or should I say, Namaste. Namaste, Mark. Um, <laughs> still in the bunkers. Um, at the time of recording, we are in a, a mini, well, say mini heat wave in April, um, just past yeah. Easter. Uh, still twiddling our thumbs a little bit, although you're still working, Mark. Um, yeah. Two beers for you tonight. Yeah. Two beers for you um, for this episode. Um, one I would say is kind of a forgotten beer, and one is um, is something a little bit more exotic, you would say. Um, mm. I think without further ado, I think we'll just get straight into it. So our first beer. Yeah. So we had a beer um, pilot episode where we discussed many of the common beers found within the UK on like drafts in pubs and things like that that we're all really familiar with. And then we had a, that was our pilot. And then we had a supermarket beers episode where we went through some of the beers that you just, you know, that were, were world beers technically, but you would find them down the aisles of most of your sort of British supermarkets. But we did, we did sort of forget to talk about a couple that are actually on the list. So as we need to kind of, as we haven't really covered it, we thought, well, we'll just, we'll just drink it and discuss it on the pod. So um, Mark, do you want to tell the listeners what yeah. the beer is? Uh, yeah. So basically Kingfisher of India. Um, which is having trouble with the sun today. Kingfisher of India. Um, basically, it's really readily available everywhere. Everywhere you go. So all the supermarkets, restaurants, all the Indians that you go to, they're all in there. And I'll come to why a little bit later on. Um, I've got the explanation for that. So, yeah, Kingfisher beer. Um, it's one of them. that I've, It is a massive bottle. Um, 650 mil. Um it's, one of, it's quite a pretty bottle, isn't it? You know, um, Kingfish with a little Kingfisher on the front. Um, it's a premium lager beer, as they all are. And it says that it's since 1857. Now, my research is going to dispute that, so I'm going to have to come back to that later on. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's 4.8% uh, volume, so it's a good percentage. It's one off your sweet spot, isn't it? Just, or not, um, and it's from... Yeah, so it says it's India's number one beer and a premium lager for all occasions. Brewed with the finest stars, hops, known for their pedigree, blah, blah, blah. It's won multiple awards. Whether you're complimenting a curry or raising a glass and relaxing, celebrate the real taste of India, their strap line, with a cold kingfisher. Should we crack them open? Let's get on it, yeah. It's a massive bottle, so um, we better crack on. Uh, so I've, it's a beer that I've not really drank that much. I mean, it's readily available, but it's something that's never really appealed to me. And straight away, you can smell it. I could smell that as soon as I opened the bottle then. Yeah. Um, we've had two consecutive smelly beers, but on different episodes. Not bad taste, though. It's all right, a bit, isn't it? Bit of a... Um, definitely taste it. It's a bit malty, isn't it? Yeah. Um, bit of a malty twang to it. It's got a different... Yeah, it's different, isn't it? I have to say, I've, I've only ever drank this um, in Indian restaurants. That's the only, yeah, only time I've ever had it. It is quite readily available, but mm. I've never really had it apart from the first time that we sampled it when we first started doing the, you know, the, the scratch map. Yeah, I've never really had it apart from that. Um, but the reason that it's readily available over here is because the company that brews it um, is owned forty-two percent owned by Heineken. So this very bottle that I uh, hold up to the camera right now available on YouTube, if you're listening to us online, has come from Maidstone in Kent, brewed and bottled by Heineken. Uh, well, actually, by 
Kingfisher Bee at Europe is the official um, name of the company, but basically it's Heineken in Maidstone, Kent. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, but it is brewed to exactly the same recipe as you would get in India. So, yeah, what are your first thoughts? Um, I, I don't mind it. As I say, I, I've, it's sort of one of those, um, my memories of it, uh, the sort of thing where you would go to an Indian restaurant with your mates before a big night out or a stag do or whatever. That those are my memories of it. So my memory is kind of like that as one of your sort of first or second beer of the night, and then it sort of goes on from there, and then it kind of fades off into the distance, and you forget all about it. But I quite like it. But it makes you feel like you've been making sort of more of the Indian experience if you're having an, an Indian beer to go with it. Like, I mean, I'm not massively into Indian. Well, that's what I tend to do. So if I'm in a, if I'm in a Chinese restaurant, I'll I'll try and have a Chinese beer. If I'm in an Indian restaurant, I'll try and have an Indian beer. So that's generally yeah. how I'll try and do it. If I'm in an Italian restaurant, I'll have a Moretti or a Peroni or whatever. So I try to yeah. appropriate the drink to where I'm eating. Yeah. Which, I mean, other than other than my only OCD, there's no other reason why why I do that. What's your first thoughts on it? Good, bad, middle, um, middle good. of the road. I think um, the, the best comparison, because the two main Indian beers are this and Cobra. So Cobra beer, yeah. So as a comparison between the two, would I prefer this to Cobra? Yeah, probably do. I'm not, I'm, I'm neither here nor there with Cobra, really. It's a pretty middle of the road beer. Pretty simple fare. And this yeah. is kind of this is this isn't far off it, but I just think it's a, it's a, it's a teeny bit more interesting. It's your standard packaged beer for me, to be quite honest with you. Um, however, right, so some India facts for you, as I know you're going to love them. Right, Namaste, Namaste, Namaste It means I bow to the divine in you. Right. That's that's its meaning. So, just thought you might want to know that. But basically, if I was to greet you and we were Indians, I'd be bowing to your divineness. I wouldn't just be saying, "All right, do you fancy a beer?" They wouldn't be none of that. Um, it's all a bit more formal, isn't it? What if you um, namaste a woman you say you've never met or met for the first time? Is that yeah. sort of a bit full on? Well, don't you namaste other men as well? Yeah, I'm just thinking like. Namaste, another a bloke. But if if like say if I'm I'm a young single lad and I see an attractive lady, if I namaste her, is she going to be put off by that? Is it I think oh, that's a bit much. Or was that kind yeah. of like a well, yeah. Well, and if like, you get a namaste back, in if you get a namaste yeah. back, you're thinking right, I'm in. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't know these levels of um, of greeting, do we? You know, perhaps there are other greetings like little chat lines. Namaste might be the ultimate chat line. Exactly. Um, who knows? We could have done with getting like someone Indian involved with this, really, to explain it for us. But that's not how we work, is it? No, we don't. Um, research. We don't really put that much effort into this. Nah. Right. What's the first building that comes to mind when you think of India? Taj Mahal. Indeed. And therefore, the first photo that comes to mind. You're not going to really be able to see it. But the first photo that comes to mind for me, obviously, is Princess Diana. Um, yes, I was going to try and do the pose, but you can't really see. Oh, she sort of sat slightly side um, on, right? Oh, That's yeah, she was like all sort of posing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was just going to try and do the pose for you, but it's it's not really worked. And what I didn't <laughs> sort of remember was that any listeners on the podcast aren't going to be able to see that anyway. So perhaps I'll post a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And if we were on Microsoft Teams, we might even be able to put the Taj Mahal in the background. Why didn't I think of that earlier? And why, are we, why are we using it. Microsoft Teams? Why aren't we using that instead of using Zoom? Yeah. Like we do now. Um, bit late for that, isn't it? Um, but I'll try, I might Photoshop a picture of me in front of the Taj Mahal, um, just doing the pose. I might just have a go later on when I'm bored. We should invest in green screen, oh, be... so we can just fuck about with the backgrounds yes. behind us. We could do all sorts, couldn't we? We'd so we could, we could, we could, we could have the flag of whatever country or a, or a, or a, pic, a scene from it behind us as we talk. That's a very good idea. Yeah, bit of admin. Right, admin over. Carry on. Yes. Right. India. Twenty-two official languages um, in India, but there are four hundred and fifty-four other actively spoken languages so it's a very multilingual country like really we're just sort of english um, welsh that. no 454 actively spoken it's bizarre isn't it i mean imagine um, it's your school timetable and it's like you know you, you can't <laughs> nine till nine till ten indian 10 to 11, Indian. 11.15, <laughs> break. <laughs> 11 till half 12, Indian. But then I suppose, like, we have the dialects, don't we? So, I mean, you could probably argue that Geordie is a different language all of its own. I suppose, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the depths that they're going into. I don't really know. Uh, I didn't yeah. research it over, you know. But maybe that's what they're looking at. I don't know. Um, but another fact for you. 70% of the world's spices come from India. Which is no surprise, really. No, it doesn't surprise me. And probably the other 30% probably come from China. Yeah, pretty much. Well, maybe um, China only have five, because there's not that thing called Chinese five spice. So maybe that's all they produce. <laughs> Just after five. <laughs> Stopped it there. <laughs> um, in India, there are more mobile phones than toilets. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a fact? Okay. <laughs> um, Capital, obviously, New Delhi. Um, we've been through the Taj Mahal. Um, in India, there are 51 births every single minute going on in India. Right now, since we, since we started recording this, um, over 550 kids have been born. Wow. In India. 550. And it's, it's going up right now. It's <laughs> literally going up right now. Um, so on every minute, mate. Yes. So I've not actually checked this with a calculator. I've just taken these as red. So I might end up like Pretty Patel here in quoting massive numbers that I no, can't actually exist. say. Yes, exactly. Um, but the website that I use tells me that this is 3,060 kids per hour and 73,440 per day. New kids born in um, India. They have one of the youngest populations in the world, um, as similar to one of the countries we've also done recently, which yes. I can't remember. Um, Turkey. Well, that was yes, that was one of the other facts on there. So India is, is similar to Turkey in that they've got a really young population. They're so they're going to have no. They live till about forty. Exactly. So they're going to have no issue with like paying um, pensions and stuff, are they? Um, so they've got a massive growth rate and they're projected to be the largest population in the world by 2024 even bigger than China really? 
Yep, over 1.2 billion people in India right now. They're going for the top spot. Yep, and they're knocking out 51 per minute. I mean, in the last three minutes since I told you last time, we've, you know, we're well over 150 since I last mentioned the figures. It's fantastic. Um, right, so Bollywood. Um, famous... Before I get to Bollywood, so yeah. 51 kids every minute. Isn't India where the Kama yeah. Sutra came from? Yes, it is, isn't it? Perhaps that's why. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, sorry, Bollywood. Right, Bollywood. Um, takes half of Indian box office revenue. Um, and it's based in Mumbai. Um, that's all I can tell you about Bollywood. <laughs> I was expecting like a big research. fact of information and stuff. Well, then I started researching famous Bollywood actors. But I've never heard of any of them. So but they are they're mega, mega famous. So like in Bollywood circles, yeah. I, I can't remember all yeah. the names. Isn't there one called... No, I'm not going to say in case I, in case I fuck it up and get it wrong. Um, <laughs> but I can picture a guy anyway who's like in, in seems to be in all of them, and he's 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 essentially like named the most famous American actor, and he's the equivalent of that. Yeah, and they get absolutely worshipped. I mean, they are mega mega famous. I was looking into it today, um, and basically plagiarism was rife like the mid '90s, early noughties, because the government there just didn't bother. Um, clamping down on it, they didn't care. It was just if you've stolen an idea from a Hollywood film, well, you're the clever one for stealing it. So go for it. That was just the theory they went by. Um, so yeah, Bollywood. That's all I can tell you. Really, it's a bit of a shit fact. Wasn't there an Indian version Indian... of Thriller? I don't know. I'll Michael Jackson's it. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Wow. But doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm sure I. I won't. I was going to go through the whole thing and see if I can get the video and shit, but I, we'll, we need to move on. Did it have his songs on it, or was it like no, Indian versions of them? No, it was like a Matalan. You know, like when you're in Matalan and you hear a song that you think sounds like something but isn't quite right. It's like a Matalan <laughs> version of it. Uh, right, barbecue. Funny yeah, question because Jackson. we're we're so used to these beers, or we see these beers a lot. Would it really turn heads at a barbecue? Would you have it? Um, it certainly wouldn't turn heads, um, but it'd probably make a decent barbecue beer. But people wouldn't really talk about it. They'd just be, oh, thanks to King Fish. You know, it's no different of anything, is it? Carlin, whatever. It's, it's nothing special. Like everyone sees it in Morrison's. It's just there. It's just there. It's nothing special, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's not dreadful, but it's not great either. Oh, I don't mind it. I've I've quite enjoyed it. But um, yeah, as a barbecue beer, I'd say for for the criteria that we kind of set and how we talk about it, you're probably going to swerve it because it's not it's not going to be a new experience really for anyone, is it? Not anyone of our barbecues. Not anyone. really. And as for the ambassador, no. well, um, mm, probably not. The ambassador's probably not going to have it at the reception. I don't know. I don't think no, it's not special for me. I don't think this would com uh, compliment Ferrero Rocher that well. No, uh, I agree. Yeah. So, um, uh, would you like to know about some of the languages? Well, one in particular. Go on. You know that I mentioned there are 454 languages in India. Yep. There's one language there um, that's known as anal. Anal? The language is called anal. Anal? As in, as in anal. Anal, anal. 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 Would you like... <laughs> anal. 
Would you like to learn some anal words? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right. So, Siniperu means firstborn. Jolmin means bride price. So, if you're purchasing a bride. Bride price? Yes. So, like, you know, arranged marriages and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, the price, you know. Um, Arno means short skirt. Oh. I mean, this is quite a short list of phrases that was on this website I was using. And these were just five of the ones that were on a list of probably about 20. And they're all quite suggestive. Um, Ithin is divorce. Yeah. Um, and then the final one I've got for you is coal, which means deep hole. Coal. Yeah, coal, deep hole. Coal, deep hole. Yes. So there you go. That is the anal language for you. Um, now I've got one last sort of segment for you. Go on. Before I wrap up. Right, now Kingfisher beer. Um, I alluded earlier on that it says since 1857 yes. on my label. Now, that contradicts the research that I did because um, the brewery, it's, it's actually brewed by a company called United Breweries Group in India. It is a genuine Indian beer. It is 42% owned by Heineken. But it is genuinely brewed in India. And the stuff that we've got here is perfect recipe to what they have there, right? However, this recipe for Kingfisher wasn't brewed until, well, wasn't launched until 1978, according to my um, research. So I don't know where that comes from. The label's talking bollocks. So it's brewed by United Brewery Group in, um, I think it's Mumbai. But, interestingly, you might have heard of their CEO. VJ Malia. Does his name ring a bell? No. no. Right. Well, he owns Force India Formula One team. Right. Okay. Right. Who went bankrupt last year or the year before. Now, also interestingly, in 2005, Kingfisher owned an airline. Well, founded, launched an airline called Kingfisher with the same logo, Kingfisher Airlines. Right. Exactly. They flew to flew to London and everything. Long haul flights all the way over to London. Um, and they, um, up until 2011, they had the second largest share of Indian domestic air travel. They were a massive company, but right from when they were launched, um, they were losing money right from the start, right through to the end. And they closed in 2012. Um, and owner Vijay Malia um, then later fled to London. This was 2015, I think. Later fled to London because there was loads of creditors after him. So he just fucked off to London. Um, and then he bought Force India team, F1 team, and he's just like, he'd run that ever since. But then, so Kingfisher Airlines went bust in 2012. His Formula One team then went bust last year or the year before. Um, I don't know what he's doing now. He's just disappeared. Um, he's hanging about yeah, in London, No. Um, so yeah, Kingfisher Airlines. Google it. Pictures of their planes and everything. Amazing. That's got to be the only beer that's also owned an airline. A beer that's also an airline. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he served it on board. Must have done. Surely. Yeah. Must have done. Yeah, surely. Should we get to a rating? Yeah, I think we should. Right. Ready with the um, fingers? Yeah. It stinks, doesn't it? It still stinks. It does smell a bit, but well, I have my thoughts. Right. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Three, yeah. two, one.
Oh, you've gone five. I've gone for seven. Yeah, straight down the middle then. Six. Give it a six. Okay, I've, I've quite enjoyed it. I, I would I would happily drink it again. I mean, not that I'd say I'd be in any, any rush to, but I think it's quite nice, refreshing. Bit of a funny smell, but tastes better than it smells. It stinks. Um, it does. It's not I like the way it looks. means. No, I like the way that it looks, but it's just I don't like it. It's just, yeah. I'd be ashamed it's, to put it in front of people at the barbecue. It's just me. I wouldn't be ashamed. It's just you can do better. Anyways, we'll be back shortly with our second beer. Welcome back. Uh, beer number two um, on today's episode is a beer from uh, a country called Namibia, and it's called Windhoek. 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 Um, Namibia is a country that borders um, South Africa. South Africa. Um, we've had this beer once before, I think, um, on a train journey somewhere at some point when we were yeah, we did. yeah. podcasting. Yeah, uh, on, in fact, I think that was the Manchester night. It was the first beer. We had, or second beer. Yeah, anyway, one or the other. yeah, it was that night. Yeah. It, was the, it was the night that we, everything was, this was created. Um, yeah. So we're drinking a 330ml bottle. Um, let's say it's Windhoek Premium Lager, uh, 4% bang on the dot. Um, this is essentially Namibia's main beer. Um, they do a, a, a draft version, which weirdly is in bottles, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but this premium lager is pretty much the, the standard the standard beer. Um, and it's what we're going to be drinking um, right now, basically. Um, it's quite a um, green bottle, green label, green... It's like, um, it's like a goldy green, though. It's a different green, isn't it? Yes. And interestingly, um, on the back, it's got an embossed W. I love yeah, that. It's a nice touch. Um, presentation-wise, yeah. it looks quite nice. Um, I really German... quite like the presentation. Yeah, bit of a German feel I to it, it, which which we'll yeah. get to. Should we just crack them open and start drinking them while? Uh, yeah. Get crack on thoughts, and then I'll um, yeah. I'll regale you with some uh, some info. Oh, please do. Let's have a bit of a sniff. It's already smells better than uh, Kingfisher. Oh, it has got a, a smell to it, though. Nicer smell. Not as bad as that. Not as bad as the kingfisher, but it has got a smell. Mm. Yeah, I yeah I, uh, I I don't like the taste as much. I prefer what to kingfisher. I prefer the taste of kingfisher to this. I prefer this. This is interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's not no, it's not doing loads for me. Anyway, while you're swigging that, so Namibia, let's play a game um, of was it an English colony or not. So I'm going to ask you the question: Was it an English col- colony? Uh, colony? And um, you're going to answer yes or no. Okay. So, Namibia, did we own it? Yes or no? No. Is the right answer? Um, yes. So, Namibia was um, owned by the Germans, was colonised by the Germans for a fair while. Ah, um, yeah. Which is how we ended up with the beer in the way that it is. So, basically, right. um, two German bankers... Um, arrived into Namibia in the capital, Windhoek, which the beer is named after, um, in 1906. Um, they were sort of taken aback by how sort of hot, oppressive and sparse it was um, and were very much sort of fish out of water compared to what they, the lifestyle they knew in Germany. However, right. after a period of time, they really settled into the lifestyle and into the place. And then by the time uh, 1920 rolled around, so you've been talking a couple of years after the First World War, they basically put their life savings between the two of them, into buying up four small local breweries in Windhoek. 
with the idea of basically brewing their own beers. Now, being German, um, there are German purity laws in terms of beer that go back centuries. So their idea was that any beer that they made would fit in with those German purity laws, which is why on the, um, on the, on the actual neck label, it says um, Reinheitsgebot, um, standards of 1516, which is the German... So that's what that comes from. Right, okay. So um, it's got a bit of a German flavour to it. So the Germans basically had um, Namibia until um, the back end of World War I, where South Africa um, assumed control. And it went by the name of West South Africa up until 1990. So it was only from 1990 wow. that the country's been called Namibia. West South Africa. It was West South Africa, yeah, up until 1990. That's like a name where someone can't be asked to think of a real name yeah. for it. Boring. Let's just put West in front of it, just split it off a bit. Yeah, massively boring. Lonely, pa- uh, Lonely Planet, who do books and stuff and travel guides, and described um, Namibia as Africa for beginners, which I'm not entirely sure what they mean by that. Is it like a sort of a Fisher-Price African country? Or um, is it kind of is like... Is that offensive or not? Well, I don't, I don't know. know if that should be offensive. Is it like the ready-sorted crisp of Africa? Just a bit boring. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know. But um, I mean, what's there for it to be the, the starter pack? I don't well, get it. Culturally, there's obviously elements of German culture as well as African culture and South African culture. So it's a bit of a melting yeah. pot. However, it has something in common with um, a country that we talked about a couple of episodes back, Mongolia. So Mongolia was the, um, the most sparsely populated country in the world. Um, Namibia is second. So Namibia is about twice the size of California, but has less than 2 million people in its population. So we've gone from one extreme to another, from India to Namibia. So it's very, very sparsely populated. So this beer itself, um, obviously, has been crafted since 1920. So so effectively, since the brewery got up and running, this has been their beer. So this was their sort of first beer. And since then, they've gone on and and done other stuff. Um, uh, Namibian... uh, Breweries, I believe, is the name of the brewery, and um, essentially, they Namibia breweries make a few other different types of beer. They are still independently owned, so they still um, are in control of their own destiny, as it were. But they do have a minority stake from Heineken, so they've got money pumped into them from Heineken, um, which has helped them kind of bolster their rep and get themselves out there further into the market. Uh, thoughts on the beer as you're going working way down? Um, it's not got much flavour to it. Um, it's not bad. It's not doing much for me, I've got to say. I, I, I think I felt similar the first time round. It's been a bit near. Um, I could probably drink quite a lot of these on a night out, though. It's a session beer for me, this. Yes, um, it's described as a, as a sessionable lager um, on the brewery's website. Yeah. I think they're right there. I think they've got their market cornered because it's quite a weak beer, actually. It's only 4%, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you could knock many of these back. Um, and probably still drive home. I mean, obviously I'm joking. Please don't drive <laughs> home after you drink. Um, but it's, it's just, a, it's nothing special. I mean, it's, it doesn't taste fantastic, but... It doesn't taste of much. Not, no, I mean, it's not acidic, is it? Like that shit that we had the other week. That's um, very true. That's very And true. I like the presentation. I think the presentation is brilliant. Yes. So um, there's not necessarily loads of people in Namibia. What it does have is the world's largest population of free-running cheaters. Does it really? <laughs> so, yeah. So, there's nowhere else in the world you're more likely to see a cheater than in Namibia. And without <laughs> animals, not like unfaithful spouses and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, <laughs> one of the um, one of one of the um, main things that the Midra is known for is the um, the Namib Desert, which is um, one of the oldest deserts, or the oldest desert in the world. Was it always called Namib Desert, or was it called Southwest Desert? No, because um, Namib meant something. So Namibia basically was was taken so from that's where that's from the from. desert. Yeah, so it's always been the right. Namib Desert. So uh, it has the tallest, highest sand dunes in the world, and it has June forty-five, which is supposedly is the most photographed sand dune um, ever. So most, when you see um, pics of sand dunes or in films where people are like, you know, checking through the sand and, and, and whatever else, it is June forty-five most of the time that is filmed and used. How do they know that? Don't they? Don't sand dunes by their very nature change? And you know, like. A- they do, but but this is this is for its sheer size and scale and location. This is the sort of number one. It is the the Hollywood sand dune. It is the one that they use for the majority. I suppose because Namibia is a fairly accessible country and possibly an easy one to kind of get to and film in and and stuff. Um, we've already learned that it's like the the easy starter pack country, isn't it? So maybe yeah. that's got something to do with it as well. The desert, the desert, um, the desert does. I suppose it does change and shift over time. It does have a bit of a mind of its own. There is an abandoned town, which I apologise, I, I can't remember the name of. But there's an abandoned town, which again is a tourist hotspot because it's it's desolate. There's no one lives there. But over time, all these buildings have just been left there, and the sand and the desert has basically started to engulf it. So you'd go wow. in sort of houses and buildings and things that used to be, you know, furniture and whatever else, and it's just you go in and. The half of the room is filled up with sand, which makes. Can you actually go and visit that? Yeah, you can go. You can go see it. Yeah. Wow, I want to go there. They've got, uh, and this this actually massive respect to Namibia for this. So obviously, people bang on about climate change and, and this that and the other. So, um, forty about forty percent of the land in Namibia is environmentally protected. So they put um, environmental standards into their constitution. So. They are they are the, the first country in the world to put environment uh, environmental issues into their constitution in terms of um, protection of land and um, environment and animals and etc. and conservation. So top marks for that. You want to protect the cheetahs, don't they? Fair play. Yeah, head of the curve. Um, mm. I'm almost running out of Namibian information. However, <laughs> so as we're drinking beer, albeit not a great one, obviously. Uh, Many countries have issues with drink drive culture and people, you know, that, that, that stray on the wrong side of the law. Namibia have a really interesting approach to this. So obviously, you know, if you're if you drink and drive, you get pulled over by the police, you'd expect to get breathalyzed. And it's the same in Namibia, albeit with a twist. So say, you know, you're sober as a judge, you've been out driving, and then guy walks out into the street and then you knock him over. Police come, you get breathalyzed you're clean what they also always do is they breathalyze the pedestrian so (laughs) the bloke you run over will also potentially get breathalyzed and if he's pissed (laughs) then it's going to wind up being his fault (laughs) does he get in trouble for it as well well potentially yeah well potentially so that they they encourage people not to drink and walk so apparently the, the the law enforcement breathalyze people when they're walking because they could be as much of a danger um, or a risk of an accident as a motorist. That's how they treat it. How do you get home then? I don't know. It's just something that they do. 
that's weird, isn't it? But then, in, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's India. Going back to India, quite ironically, um, I'm sure it's there that if you're walking across the road, even though it's like like loads of cars coming at you, if you don't look towards the cars and you just look where you're going to cross the road, then it's the car's problem to stop. If you look at the car, then it's your problem to stop. So basically, you just fucking go for it. How can they prove? It's weird. How can they prove anything? Well, maybe they have dash cams. I don't know. Yeah, well, rest that sounds. <laughs> so Windhoek is obviously the, the Libya's main beer, also popular throughout other countries in Africa, and obviously now exported further out. So this wasn't too difficult a beer to get, was it? How did we get hold of this? Beers of Europe, I think. Beers of Europe. There you go. Yeah, it, it was an expensive couple of quid, something like that. So it's not bad. Quite... We've had it a couple of times now, so it's easy enough to get hold of. Yeah, it's exported to um, to Europe. I know at the moment, busy are perhaps stocking a few things because of obviously the climate of the time and people stockpiling and whatever else. But but it is it is a beer they normally have in stock. Um, it's a weird thing to stockpile, to be honest with you. It, it, well, it is a bit of all the beers. Um, I did come across an advert, mm. and it's only a couple of months old. Um, yeah. So. Um, you know how you get beer adverts and they want a celebrity endorsement or someone to star in their advert? Well, Windhoek yeah. spared no expense. So picture the scene. This is the advert. Um, it's a bar. Three guys stood around a table all drinking. The guy's got a Windhoek beer. He calls over to the bar and asks, brace yourself, for a wedge of lime. You know, like the style of like you would in his beer. beer. Yeah. So he asked the barman for a wedge of lime. And then the crowd of people sort of parts and then sat at the bar, not the barman, but sat at the bar, is none other than Gerard Butler. <laughs> Mr. Olympus has fallen himself, is sat there at the bar, who then, whose who's only part in the advert is basically is to sort of, um, he's in a leather jacket as well for some reason, even though he must be fucking boiling hot. And he's sat at the bar and he sort of turns around to him and sort of gives him his best sort of cool guy stare that he can and basically slags the guy off for ordering a line. And says um, <laughs> and says no, basically don't you know says says don't, says don't don't bother. And then uh, he in says in English. In English, yeah, it's all in English. And uh, and then the the slogan, the the thing that he says is keep it real, right? And then just so basically, a line wouldn't have made this any better then. No. So so Gerard Butler goes carries on with his pint, and then the guy at the table's been put in his place and says, "I'll just have it as is." And that's the advert, and it just says, "Keep it real." Keep it, keep it real, mate. Keep it real, mate. Don't put any fucking lime in your lager. It's for no. nonces. <laughs> you will get shot. <laughs> so yeah, you know, maybe a mm. barbecue beer. Yes or no? Um, yes, I think it'd make a good barbecue beer because it get people talking um, and it get them thinking about what a good beer is. Um, it's not a particularly brilliant one, but it'd make people think. It's got a great presentation. Doesn't look like you bought it from Lidl. That's true. Um, I think it looks brilliant. I really do like that. Um, Taste-wise, it's not great, but it's not Foster's. It, it also be a good one because it's only 4%, so people could attend a barbecue, then drive home. So it's all good. Yeah, for a designated driver, it's a safe one beer before you, you know, one, one beer and one beer only. It's a safe bet for yeah. that. I don't know. I, I, for me, no. Ambassador's reception? Not even for the barbecue? No. Ooh. There's other bit. There's many other um, better beers you could pick that are more interesting talking points than this. I could um, almost as easily get hold of Chingis, which would be a more interesting talking point. So if if I have more options, I'm not I'm not going to this. Yeah. Um, ambassador's reception there. No. What do you reckon? No. 
it looks the part. If you're serving it in a bowl, it does look the part. It does, yeah. But it doesn't taste the part, and the ambassador will consider that. Um, but it People looks the part, though. It looks there's, there's, pyram- there's large pyramids of Ferrero Rocher. There's opulence all around. People are expecting to be spoilt by the ambassador. This beer is not spoiling us. But it's premium. It tells you it's premium. But they all do, don't they? That's the thing. They all do. And I love the, <laughs> the embossed bit, the W that's embossed. The presentation's really nice. The taste is just a bit... It, it's, left, it, it's, it's left me a bit wanting. Could you imagine like a huge pyramid of these bottles next to your pyramid of Ferrero Rocher? It will look superb. It would pyramid look lovely. Of these will look amazing. It would look lovely, but then, you know, you start drinking it and you think, well, God, is this the best the ambassador can do? Still tastes a bit shit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A lockdown beer. For me, I'd, I'd say this is quite a good lockdown beer because it's a good session beer. I could have a, quite a few of these. But lockdown... I stink quite a few. Lockdown works one of two ways. So the advantage of lockdown is you can't go anywhere. So you're not driving. Yeah. So I actually think a higher percentage beer, for me... I'd rather drink four, three or four of a high percentage beer than five or six of this sort of session type beer. Depends what time you're starting in the din time though, doesn't it? You know, I mean, if you're starting at 11 o'clock, then you want to sort of take it steady. If you're starting at one o'clock in the afternoon, then eh, you're getting a bit late then, so you need to catch up, don't you? Well, Mark, all I want to do is have beer for breakfast. Well, exactly. Good shout. Should we uh, rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. Um, right, okay. Ready with your fingers? As always. Okay. Three, two, one, and here we go. Uh, that's right, isn't it? I've gone five, you've gone six and a half. Five, uh, yeah, six and a half, that's right. Ooh, so we're quite a way apart. So it's gonna have to go with a six again. Do you wanna go for a six or do you wanna do you wanna stretch this out into some sort of rock, paper, scissors for something? Oh yeah, let's just let's do it. Let's do rock, paper, scissors. Come on. What for to make this a six and a half beer? Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Right. Okay, right, okay, here we go. Right, no pressure then. I feel like I need to win this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, ready. Three I'm gonna come in I'm gonna come in from I'm gonna come in right from this side. Right, ready? Right, okay. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Right. I was going to go scissors, and then when you said you were coming in from that side, I knew what you were going to do. Uh, <laughs> see, I went in, I went in looking, looking like I was going with rock, went back out and thought, you'll go paper, and I'll come in with scissors. And you no. went rock and beat my scissors. <laughs> yeah, again, I've lost. And now this I beer... I you out there, I knew what was going to happen from the side. This bang average <laughs> Namibian beer is now, um, is now six and a half out of ten, which I think is a bit generous. Um, it's look, it's not it's not horrendous. It's just a bit bland and a bit a bit disappointing considering everything else around it. Really, considering it's um, but it's rated better than Kingfisher. Yeah, which I think is a huge injustice. That's that's harsh on Kingfisher, <laughs> which I thought was I thought was actually um, pretty decent stuff. But there you go. That's it's, we live in a democracy, Mark. We do. We do indeed. Right. That's it Apparently. for this um, this episode. Um, thanks again for joining us, uh, Mark. Where can people find us on social media? At F-T-L-O-B pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Don't forget YouTube now. Um, again, yeah. thanks. We'll be back soon with more um, nonsense and beers. Um, in the meantime, everyone stay safe and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Namaste. All I want to do is drink beer for breakfast.
This podcast is presented by The Podcast Lot, a free promotion label for up-and-coming podcasts. Follow them on Twitter at Podlot.